0: Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information.
1: Make sure and listen all the
0: way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio
1: experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about helpful content app how it impacts SEO. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Bernard Huang. How
0: are you? Doing well, Anatoly. Thanks for having me back. Always, always a pleasure speaking to you about SEO, everything that's going on within the Google ecosystem.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah, I remember our first episode that was great. So valuable. I love learning from you and you filmed the video for my course. Yeah. So valuable, I think students can estimate because we launched this course and right now uh, we have a lot of experts plus 20 experts who filmed videos or wrote uh, articles this course, uh, including Lily Ray, Jeff Coyle, many other great experts. And yeah, it's a big pleasure to learn from you. I got it. I need to learn more. Okay. Bernard, uh, remind our audience about yourself, about your business, about ClearScope, how it can help them to get SEO traffic.
0: Sure. So I'm the co-founder at ClearScope which is a SEO content optimization platform designed to help content marketers get more traffic from the SEO content that they're producing. In short, we use advanced natural language processing to inform what a great piece of content should look like given any topic or keyword that you want to rank about. And we'll show you how to construct the best piece of content that covers all the entities that Google is likely checking for within your piece of content. We've got a bunch of customers, and we are looking to fuse language models with SEO in preparation for this AI content evolution that we're all in the midst of experiencing.
1: Mm-hmm. nice nice okay I think we can touch more about AI how it impacts today SEO I think it's hard today to ignore this topic <laughs> I think you know most of my podcasts uh, related to AI and I remember an year ago nobody cared about that today it's hard to ignore impossible tomorrow and let's talk more about helpful update can you tell what is it because i think you know we have so many updates today on google google uh, provides a lot of them sometimes confuse uh people what to do so any insights about helpful on un- the update and what we need to do
0: i have a lot of thoughts and opinions about the helpful content update so let's backtrack to when it was released near the end of last year 2022 mm-hmm. right helpful content update comes out A lot of the SEO experts in the space tried to diagnose which websites specifically were the most affected by this particular update. Long story very short, the analysis came out that celebrity net worth websites and rap lyric, song lyric websites were primarily the most affected websites as it relates to the helpful content. As you can imagine, if you're looking at a song lyric website that is, has lyrics for, say, you know Taylor Swift's antihero song, if you were to compare that content to another song lyric website, the pieces of content would look identical in that mm-hmm. lyrics are the same regardless of which website states where the lyrics come from. So a lot of SEO experts were, I would say, initially puzzled in that in this particular framing, it's really nothing more than what you would expect out of the Panda update, which right, if you backtrack 10, 12 years ago, it was the one that penalized duplicate content. Because essentially, the song lyric website for this particular song was identical in a lot of cases to another song lyric website and therefore the content was duplicative. What I read out of this situation is that it's not necessarily that the content on the site was duplicative, even though it was, but I see a world where Google is actually trying to put a lot more emphasis on the concept of information gain, which was popularized by Bill Slosky. Mm-hmm. The late Bill Slosky. So the what information gain is seeking is to understand whether or not a body of content is providing interesting and relevant information to the topic that Google is trying to present to the user. So the way that we could think about this in in a like for example is that. Let's take the concept that we know as search engine optimization. Search engine optimization, you can imagine, is very closely related to different concepts like link building, keyword research and technical SEO. Right. We would understand that these would be if SEO is in the center, this would be like one distance away from SEO because these are core parts of what you would consider from SEO. You can imagine within then link building, you have one distance away from that where you might talk about, you know, black hat or, you know, like link outreach or white hat. And those would be right one distance away from link building. So you can imagine right in this particular model of things, you have concepts and related concepts that are one distance, two distances, three distances, four distances away from the core topic at hand. How this relates to the helpful content update is that Google is looking at billions of pieces of content every day, right? And it's their job to infer that document one is better than document one billion and one, right? And they're Mm -hmm. always able to compare whether or not something actually adds value or is helpful to the conversation around the topic at hand. I think what Google is then doing is that it's saying, okay, if you were to produce a piece of content around search engine optimization, then we expect things like technical SEO, link building, white hat, keyword research to be included within that piece of content. But what Google's algorithm is then looking for is does your piece of content then go and try to introduce the next most relevant distance concept for that particular topic. As it relates to SEO, you can imagine pieces of content talking about SEO today would likely introduce concepts like video SEO, TikTok, chat GPT, because those are the relevant entities or concepts that we are thinking about as SEO practitioners. So essentially, what I think is happening with the helpful content update is that Google initially just dinged content that looked identical to one another because those pieces of content were not introducing any relevant entities to the topic at hand. And where I think with the rise of AI content, we're going to see a massive rise in Google's like weighting towards looking at content and seeing if it is, in fact, providing the extra additional layer of topical entities that it expects the piece of content to talk about.
1: Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, valuable. Yeah, awesome. Okay, uh, can you tell more about uh, pillar topics? Uh, For example, you know, uh, I found when uh, I create pillar topics in my content plan, uh, sometimes uh, it's hard to, uh, you know, to add keywords to specific pillar topic, because we have uh, many topics, they are the same, but have different keywords. Can you tell how to group them? I mean, like how to choose the right keywords to specific subgroup? And uh, I mean, like to avoid cannibalization and many other stuff.
0: That's a complicated question that it can't really truly be answered with just a, a high level Brush stroke, but mm-hmm. to do my best in, in doing so, I do think that different topics will follow different frameworks as, it asso- as it's associated with pillar content. So in B2B, for example, it's very easy to follow a B2B format in terms of creating a pillar page, right? If we're talking about search engine optimization, people are going to want to know what it is, how to do it, why it's important, pros and cons, the best tools associated with doing it, right? It's a very tried and true formula in the sense that, right, people who are searching for SEO primarily want to know the who, what, when, where, why, how type, type things. So that's more or less kind of the playbook to, to use. As we move into this like more AI-generated world. However, I think that Google is going to place a lot more emphasis on engagement. Right? It's not mm-hmm. only important that you cover the who, the what—not necessarily the who in B two B—but the what, why, you know, should, how, best, intense. You also need to be bringing to the table, in my opinion, some interesting perspectives around, you know, like is SEO dead? You know, is it still an important channel for content creators to, to focus on? You know, like, how do you do it? Reasons why you shouldn't do it, right? There's a lot of different angles that you can approach the whole what, how, why, best type, type content, right? And so that's kind of how I would think about it is that when somebody is performing a search for the topic that you're trying to rank for, What are the different stages of their journey that they're likely to go through as they're researching the topic and then how do you create content that matches each stage of how the user is likely to pursue the content or the topic right so in terms of seo you can imagine when somebody starts their journey they just kind of want to know what it is and why it's important and whether it's still important moving forward, right? So we would imagine, right, a what is SEO, why it's still important for the future, and the pros and cons associated with SEO would be like three pieces of content that we would likely want to put in a pillar, but also create standalone pieces of content to link out to. From there, right, assuming that we've done a good job answering what it is, why it's important, why and you know the pros and cons. Then we would want to move into the how category. So in the how category, you can imagine like topics that the user would care about is things to consider before doing it, right? So, you know, does your does your topic get a lot of searches? Are there, you know, good transactionally relevant keywords that you should go after? So things to consider before doing SEO, then we would talk about how to actually implement a strong and compelling and successful SEO strategy. And then we might want to answer reasons why you shouldn't pursue SEO, right? So, you know, if you're in a B2C category that's just too new and there's no searches, maybe SEO is not for you. If your target market's super small and there's few searches, maybe SEO is not for you. So then we've covered the whole how type searches. And then, you know, there's the whole like, the tools, the best practices, the strategies, right, and we can introduce a whole new set of content to target the, okay, well, what are the best tools? What are the worst tools, even, you know, what are the best practices? What are, you know, the pitfalls to avoid? And that would be its own, category or set of content that would also want that we'd want to package into the pillar page with then links out to standalone pieces of content for each one of those different perspectives that the user could have you can imagine in this way of thinking about content strategy we've done our best to map the entire life cycle of what a user journey could look like at every stage of their research process surrounding the topic. And that's the most holistic sense of how you'd
1: want to construct your pillar page. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned many times about uh, customer journey. uh, And uh, I want to ask you about choosing the right topics with customer journey. For example, if I choose the topic SEO, it's, uh, it's hard, so hard to compete with Ahrefs, Moss, Neil Patel, many other great websites. And uh, it doesn't mean that I can sell by having this keyword in the top 10 because uh, uh, my customers need SEO services or something else. And I found when uh, webmasters often check out uh, keyword research tools, see volume and think, wow, I can get this traffic, I need it, and try to optimize with such keywords. Once I spoke with uh, a webmaster who lost 400,000 traffic because Google dropped his ranking positions, but he didn't lose any sales. So he had a lot of traffic that didn't convert, didn't uh, bring any sales. Can you tell how to choose keywords? For example, if I have a list of keywords, how do I know that these keywords are related to my customer journey?
0: Yeah i mean you're asking all all the hard questions on a
1: <laughs> as you
0: always do i well i call it the goldilocks keywords right the goldilocks keywords are the ones that are not too high level in that they get a lot of monthly searches but drive very little conversions they're not too low level in the sense that nobody is searching for it but if they happen to be you're product, service, or solution is exactly what they're looking for. You kind of want to be in in the middle where there's a good amount of search volume. It's obviously very relevant and related to the the business services or products or solutions that you're trying to sell. And those are going to be the perfect intersection of the keywords that you want to go after. Long story short, you should always start with long tail, highly relevant keywords if your goal is to drive conversions from the sale of a product, a solution, or a service, if your goal is to drive CPMs, right, cost per thousand impressions, and your monetization strategy is based off of page views and awareness, then absolutely you should go after the high level, super high volume keywords that people are typing in. But I would say for the most of you out there, that's probably not your business model. So you kind of want to focus on the the 10 monthly searches, the 20 monthly searches, and start there, right? The competition is going to be a lot less competitive than your HRSs, your Neil Patels, right? The companies or the websites that are very established And you might say, well, Bernard or Anatoly, there's only 10 searches, like, this is not that important or relevant. And, you know, I'm just not going to get that much business. Chances are, that might be true. But you got to start somewhere. And that's also a good way to start building what people have been calling topical authority, right? When you're ranking for long tail searches surrounding the topic that you want to go after. Let's say, let's continue with this search engine optimization example. Let's say, you know, we're ranking for, you know, how long does it rank using SEO? And you know, that's, it's a very long tail search, but the fact that we're ranking number one for that particular search makes it way more easy to rank for another long tail search surrounding that particular topic, right? Like, you know, why does it take so long to rank in SEO? So you can imagine what we're doing is that we're establishing confidence to Google and saying that we do know what we're talking about because there is content that we've produced that ranks on the top for certain subtopics surrounding search engine optimization. As we build a, broader foundation of long tail high ranking keywords then google starts to establish more confidence and trust that the higher level more searched for keywords that we do in fact want to target like how to do seo or best seo tools are actually worthy of the content like that we've produced and they're more likely to give us traffic in that way So all in all, like if you're just getting started, you almost always want to go after the long tail searches first because they're going to be easier to rank for. They're going to be more transactionally relevant and targeted to your business product and service. And it will allow you to build a foundation of strong topical authority, which will allow you to graduate into potentially ranking for the more trafficked terms that, again, may or may not actually drive more conversions the higher up that you go.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Uh, you remind me a study from Moss that uh, 80% of all sales are coming from long tail keywords. So if you ignore them, then you ignore 80% of sales. <laughs> if you want to see traffic, because I don't care about traffic. I don't care about likes, comments, uh, vanity metrics, because... Uh, the main goal is to get leads, sales. It's the most important. And what do you think about zero volume keywords? Uh, because uh, I check out a few studies when people optimize with these keywords, uh, got real good results. So they, uh, can you tell how to find them? And uh, is it a good idea to create content if you uh, are not sure that these keywords will bring any traffic or sales because we don't know about volume? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a good point, right? So zero volume keywords is this idea that has emerged recently in the sense that you could write around a specific topic or perspective in the keyword universe. And the traditional way that SEOs have looked at keywords has all been around monthly search volume. So certain keywords are going to show up as zero in terms of their monthly search volume. Yet, when you write about them, you end up getting a ton of traffic that you are actually kind of surprised by because you didn't think that there was anybody specifically searching for that. that is to say that Google's algorithm is no longer keyword centric. It's not been keyword centric for like the last eight, eight years, five to eight years at this point, it's more of a topic model. Right. Google wants to say, okay, when somebody searches for, we'll just continue using search engine optimization as the example. When somebody searches for SEO, they don't want to know SEO. like They want to know specific subtopics within SEO. Right, They want to know what it is, how to do it, examples of companies that have done a good job doing it. Right? They want these different Subtopics surrounding this particular topic. So the reason why zero search volume keywords exist in the first place is because Google's model is a topic model that's looking for engagement. Right? Google wants mm-hmm. to produce a search engine results page that has the highest likelihood of no further action, search actions being performed when a legitimate user sees that particular page. So you can imagine right 10 results when Google shows that it wants 100% of people who see that to find their answer and not perform an additional search or click on you know the video's little like tab in the search bar right they they just want the user to find what they needed and move on. So that's why you see when you perform searches for certain topics that these different perspectives will end up showing up in in the serps right like oh well you know why seo is is dying because of gpt could show up for a search that somebody performs today for search engine optimization right and that's because right that particular perspective that google is testing is an interesting and potentially valuable perspective that the user could care about even though very few people or nobody is actually typing into Google why chat gpt is going to destroy seo moving forward so that's why zero search volume keywords are very important to answer the your, your question then as to you know what to do to surface these oftentimes actually the most systematic or formulaic way that I found is by just using people also ask, right? You'll see in the people also ask bar, like, you know, why is SEO dying or whatever? And those are oftentimes Google's way of saying, hey, users also cared about this particular question as it relates to the topic that, that you've written about. So that's the most like systematic way, and that's why a lot of top SEOs will go around and uh, recommend that you create pieces of content that target each one of the Google people also ask because those are additional questions that are related to the topic that the user is likely to care about. Obviously, on the flip side of it, the most holistic way is really to just be a subject matter expert and understand, what is likely the next evolution of where the topic is heading. You know, we could then say, yeah, you know, why, you know, why AI will kill SEO or won't kill SEO? And I could write a piece of content on that. And essentially, I could expect that when that when the topic matures to the point where people are starting to wonder, like, oh, is AI going to you know, kill or not kill SEO? then my piece of content will all of a sudden start ranking because I predicted the future in a relevant and helpful way. So, I mean, that's like the flip side is that, you know, we're ahead of the curve in terms of predicting what users are likely to care about given the topic. And we write thought leadership brand awareness type content that matches the future before the masses actually know that that's
1: what they care about nice nice yeah by the way you know i think chat gpt will be great keyword research tools because plus 100 million users uh, are asking questions on chat gpt so my prediction that chat gpt will take these questions create keyword research tools soon and even now i check out on chat gpt i asked uh, can you uh, share questions that people ask about this topic uh, and yeah uh, you you can get answers from chat gpt what kind of questions people ask about your topic you can use them to create content and bernard i'm interested about clear scope can you tell more what kind of benefits your tool have because you know once i uh, i found uh, a list um, I don't remember exactly a website, but that was list Uh, comparison of different tools, Uh, market news, ClearScope, uh, some some other tools. Uh, Can you tell uh, what kind of benefits ClearScope has compared to others? Uh, Because you shared a great video on my uh, SEO course. Uh, I enjoyed watching this video to learn how to optimize pages. But uh, can you tell how ClearScope uh, can help more and better than uh, other tools that we have today and tell about AI integration.
0: (laughs) Yes. So in essence,
1: ClearScope
0: fits into the algorithm, which is again a very like a complex algorithm, right? If we're to think about the factors that go into search engine optimization, I think that we can break it out into a few fundamental categories. Number one, you have technical SEO and technical SEO is Google trying to understand and crawl your website for the most part, right? These are things like if the page loads slowly, well Google is going to have a hard time crawling the site because it just takes longer to load and they're also going to infer that should they send a user there, it's going to be a bad experience in that again the page takes longer to load. But for the most part, right, the h tags, the title tags, you know, the alt images, you know, these are things designed to help Google understand your content. So Broadly speaking, technical SEO is access, understand and crawl. Right? That's its main function in how SEO works. After Google has found your content through crawling, then it's around us, you know, two specific big buckets, right? You have off-page SEO, which is primarily backlinks. It could also refer to the age of the website, the authority, all that good stuff. And you have on-page SEO, right? Which primarily refers to the, the quality of the content and what's, what's being served by the user. So these are going to be the broad buckets, right? Of how SEO works fundamentally. ClearScope sits in the on-page SEO part where within on-page seo you can imagine there there are things like the topical authority right internal linking um you know multimedia assets uh and quality content so we then specifically help with the quality content aspect of on-page seo and that's what content optimization tools do the reason why content optimization tools work in ClearScope's model, or not ClearScope's model, but Google's model, is because Google wants to make sure that content that it's presenting the user has a high likelihood of giving the user what they want. What that translates into in SEO speak is this idea of keyword co-occurrence. So that is to say that right when we write a piece of content on search engine optimization, if we didn't say link building or technical SEO, Google would raise an eyebrow and say, well, is that <laughs> actually a good piece of content? Because I know these keywords co-occur with one another. Right? That if somebody says SEO, chances are they're also going to say link building. So the presence of these two terms together make a lot of sense. In more technical yeah. SEO speak, we call this the knowledge graph. So all of that's then the precursor to say, what makes one content optimization tool stand out from another content optimization tool? And really, it's within the content optimization's tool's ability to select the right terms that co-occur with one another. So you can imagine right? if ClearScope is able to say, yeah, you should talk about link building or white hat or technical SEO, and we recommend those as terms as it relates to search engine optimization and another tool does not, then our tool would do a much better job matching exactly what Google expects out of the topic that you're writing about. So all of that comes down to then precision of recommending the right terms, or again, in technical speak, we would call these entities associated with the topic. So everybody has different models in terms of how their entity recognition and recommendation model works. We've put in countless hours in our own recommendation system that revolves heavily around the Google ecosystem and also the open AI ecosystem to really infer, you know, is this actually a salient or relevant entity that you should be including? And of course, you know, I'm biased, but that's why I think, you know, Clearscope stands out in that we excel at surfacing high-quality recommendations that Google's knowledge graph is actually checking for with regards to the topic that you're writing about, which will then give Google more
1: confidence that your content is high quality. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, awesome. Uh, Let's talk more about high quality. You know, uh, I cooperate with many writers. Some of them write for Forbes, Search Engine Journal, uh, Bloomberg, uh, good writers. And I found after launching ChatGPT, All of them, all of them use AI, all of them. And uh, we can't ignore AI. We usually discuss with them. Please don't do it because, uh, okay, AI uh, is a must-have tool, but uh, if you use it right, you know, because uh, it's hard today to create uh, unique content with AI, creative content, uh, because for me, ChatGPT is the best, Rewriting tool ever, rewriting, not writing. <laughs> so, and uh, we need this human touch. Uh, and can you tell uh, how to write high quality text? Because I think texts are the foundation of any high quality content. And uh, I often check out Wikipedia, Investopedia, many other websites. They can ignore nice looking design because of uh, sharing the best writing. Uh great text, valuable text. And can you tell how to set up the task or uh, give the task to writers? Please uh create high-quality text when they know about chat GPT, about these tools that can save their time. That's okay. If you can do it with chat GPT, then please create high-quality text. Uh write them. So, any insights how to do it right?
0: <laughs> yes, lots of lots of insights, but I think for the most part, you, you're you thinking about it, right? First, as it relates to AI content, I think that you need to understand how AI content ga- got generated in the first place. In my opinion, you could think about AI content as a fairly sophisticated autocomplete methodology. So what... OpenAI has done with their language model is that they've trained their language model on billions of documents and records across the internet. And in a lot of ways, they've trained it to then be able to autocomplete concepts based off of a highly probabilistic model. So you can imagine, right, if we're going to say, and I use this example quite a bit, but who is the first president of America, then you can imagine the language model is going to look and say, first president America, and then it's going to say, George Washington is the very highly likely output that the user is going to care about that follows those particular words is that particular set of words. So essentially, that's how it works, right? That's how we're able to get output that is surprisingly not bad. And that's why it's all the rage right now is that this model has, you know, it'll look at the possibility of words that will follow words and say, okay, that, and then 95% confident that, you know, this follows that. And obviously, it gets more complicated and sophisticated than that. And then I'll look at sentence structures and say, you know, this sentence is likely to follow that sentence. And then I'll look at paragraph structures and say, this paragraph is likely to follow that paragraph. And by the end of it, you have a piece of content that gets created from AI that is all based off of a more or less probability model that these things should follow each other based off of the, you know, billions of Documents that the the model has ingested. Okay, so if that's what we think language models are doing in terms of AI content, then you can imagine that presents a problem in terms of the ranking factor on Google. Now, back to helpful content in information gain. If the language model is simply looking at a vast set of documents that it's been trained on and saying, this is likely to follow that, then And Google's model for helpful content is saying that I want to see content that brings additional relevant entities to the table that are currently not closely associated with the topic, then that's where the problem of using AI content for SEO arises. Because AI content isn't necessarily trying to bring anything new to the table. It is trying to construct a piece of content where it's probably right. Whereas if SEO is heading in the direction where Google's algorithm is trying to give more weight to content that brings something new to the table, and AI content is a reductionary mechanism where it's trying to produce content that is likely to be right, then directionally speaking ai content is going to have a hard time ranking for google seo now you know that aside i do think that ai content will excel in some kinds of queries associated with seo and those are going to be the queries where everybody agrees on what has happened right so in very mature topics or in history and facts then ai content's never going to get it wrong because it's already happened and we all accept it to be true or if it we're asking you know ai content what is email marketing well ai content has a vast pool of documents that it can draw from that state exactly what email marketing is but right like how valuable is that content i would say that you know the the search engine results page has has evolved quite significantly and something like you know what is x or x definition you know those types of queries are probably you know maybe 5% 10% of the the overall like queries associated with any given topic and yeah those are those are done but the behemoths in the seo space are ready Rank for all of those, right? We're talking about the the Investopedia's, Nerd Wallets, the Mayo Clinics, the WebMDs. They already have a death grip on the "what is X" definition of X type content. So we're not even playing for those queries to begin with. So that really begs the question: What is AI content actually good for? What is the direction that Google's algorithm is heading? And what should you do then to obviously use AI strategically to make sense? And I think that AI is good for unblocking writer's block. I think AI is good for suggesting ideas for them, a human, to to write about. I think AI is great for editing, for conciseness, simplicity, you know, those kinds of things. But AI is not going to be able to produce a piece of content that is really bringing new things to the table as much as it should be and i think that's probably the biggest problem as it relates to ai content for SEO.
1: Mm-hmm. nice nice yeah well explained and uh i have the final question um, to help students who are listening to this podcast or watching uh, on YouTube, LinkedIn. Uh, you know, you uh, shared a great video for my course. Uh, and uh, let's imagine you started today from scratch without any experience. You have no clear scope completely from scratch. You, What would you do today to learn more about SEO? What
0: would I do today? Well, I would I would sign up for Anatoly's course, right? There's lots of good information in there to unpack, and I would dip my toes in the water, right? Launch launch a website. It's very cheap right now to get hosting, to get some sort of content management system, and and really test the waters, right? There's no better way to learn SEO than trial and error. And know that the best SEOs are continuing to trial and error, right? There's nothing like managing a portfolio of 10 websites, 20 websites. You're running experiments where you decrease page load speed on one set Uh, portfolio websites to see how that influenced your rankings. On another set, you make sure that each piece of content that you've published has a unique embeddable video. On another website, you're trying something crazy with authorship boxes, authenticity, trustworthiness to really show Google or its manual evaluators that you really know what you're talking about. And you're seeing the impacts of these changes across multiple websites, and you're able to infer or draw conclusions that technical SEO is maybe not as important as a lot of people make it out to be, but in some cases, very important, if you have a large website. Or right, video, in some cases, really boosted your rankings for certain classes of queries, the ones where experience or how-to really matters, and really didn't make a dent for what is or you know, why content, because users just didn't care to engage with the video for those types of queries. So that's honestly the best way to get started. The most frustrating thing about getting started like that, though, is that you're not going to see results. You're not even going to see the inklings of much of your efforts for months at a time, right? We're talking three months, six months, sometimes even nine to 12, depending on how competitive the category is that that you're going after. So that's to say, if you have a little bit more money, then something that you could consider is buying expired domains that have come, you know, come with a little bit more authority, have some more links associated with them. And oftentimes you know, those could be a good, better way to start that costs maybe $500 to $1,000, but that could turn your six to nine month wait to something closer to you know, one to three. And it could be a lot more encouraging for, for you to do that. Other things to test if you're literally just getting started is by pitching people on guest posts, right? instead of always thinking that you need your own website to get something off the ground, you can try to pitch, you know, we, we source guest posts on, on ClearScope and you could pitch us to say, hey, you know, like I wanna write a guest post on best SEO courses and write, essentially you could leverage our domain authority and our age to expedite the some of the the factors that you might be missing within your own seo to to get started and that would be a great way to leverage somebody else's authority to quickly start to see some results from your efforts and therefore you you can stay motivated and your morale will be high and you know that'll be very important for you to continue your learning of seo Uh,
1: love it love it the best answer Ever, you know, I completely agree. Uh, Because if you want to start, you need to learn, like to take course, my course, other courses, and to practice, test, experiment, because without that, I don't know how to achieve results. And yeah, patience is very important. I don't know how to get results overnight. Uh, And it doesn't matter. Uh, It's not only about SEO. On social media, it's hard to get results fast. Uh, At any marketing channel, you need to take, uh, to spend some time to learn, to experiment, to test. Because everyone starts from best practices. Then we can adapt to change something, to go ahead, to find our style, what actually will work for us. That's normal. So, yeah, patience is very important and practice is more important than learning. Once I got the question, if I listen to all your podcast episodes, can I become a great I replied, no, you can't. Because it's not like to learn everything. <laughs> it's more about to practice. Just choose right episodes because I, I consume a teeny percent of all information that uh, appeal uh, every single day because I don't know how to find time to read all these great articles, to watch all these videos uh, and, and I don't need it because testing is more important. Practice is more important. So choose some Uh, resources that you like and start doing something then because if you uh, uh, learn and do nothing you get nothing, it's the same (laughs) Bernard, it's a big pleasure to get in my show to learn from you, you always share a lot of valuable insights, I need to go to an emergency room to consume all this information (laughs) (laughs) and think what I can implement right now, tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you how to follow you, how to reach out to you
0: Yeah. I would say, you know, you can, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Bernard J. Huang. You can, you know, email me Bernard at clearscope.im. I'll I'll try my best to help or at least link you to resources that, you know, I trust are are vetted and and competent. And I, I wish you the best in your SEO journey. I can say that we are definitely at the cusp of something interesting right, with what's going on with AI content, chat GPT, Google Bard, perhaps some of the most exciting developments that we've ever seen in SEO, where there'll be, I think, a lot of innovation, a lot of groundbreaking things to to try and to test, especially as you can imagine AI content means that we're entering the era of infinite content, right? What used to cost $50, $100 $50, $100 for 500 words now costs pennies on the dollar. So what does that mean for Google search? What does that mean for content on the internet? I don't know, right? But it's an exciting time. And I think that go out there, test. Don't be afraid to, to pull out some gray hat things, just just to understand right? what's going on with the system and how, how it all comes together.
1: Nice, nice. Okay, guys, you can find the link to Twitter account in the description below. You can find the link to uh, Scope in the description. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. Valuable. So valuable. Guys, you need to follow Berna because you can see a lot of value. Okay, love you. See you.